welcome to episode 39 of About IBD. I'm Amber Tresca. I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis at age 16 and had two-step J-pouch surgery 10 years later. I'm the IBD expert at VeryWell.com and the person behind AboutIBD.com and the About IBD social media platforms. It's my mission to educate people living with IBD about their disease and to bring awareness to the patient journey. We often say that IBD is a family disease because it affects not only the person living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, but also everyone around them. With that in mind, advocacy groups have created resources that can help us in all stages of the family journey. On this episode, I will introduce you to Catherine Soto from the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, who tells us about the resources the foundation has available to anyone living with IBD, as well as the more specialized information for parents, kids, and teens. I also spoke with Dr. Rajiv Jain, who is a gastroenterologist in private practice in Texas about a new resource from the American Gastroenterological Association, which is called the IBD Parenthood Project. This website is available to help anyone with IBD who wants to be a parent and provides evidence-based information about how IBD affects every part of that journey, from preconception to breastfeeding. And lastly, I talked with my frequent partner in crime, Brooke Abbott, who provides the patient perspective about how the IBD Parenthood Project and about IBD Moms, which is a little project she and I cooked up to support moms living with IBD and moms of kids with IBD. By the end of this episode, you will know more about the many resources that are available to you as a parent or as a caregiver, and more importantly, how you can access and use them. Good morning. Thanks for talking with me today. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. So, Kat, we've worked together a few times, but for my listeners, let me know uh, your name and what you do with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. My name is Catherine Soto. I am the Director of Patient Education and Support for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. And my role is to oversee education for both pediatric patients as well as adult patients and caregivers. And that's exactly why I asked you to talk to me today is because I want to talk about the resources that the foundation has available for parents of children with IBD and then for people with IBD who have kids, because I know that there's a wealth of information there and I want to help people be able to find it. Absolutely. And we're, I'm very excited to be talking about this because I think it's important for parents as they're going through the diagnosis of their child and really experiencing that, or for children and teens themselves who are experiencing the challenges of being diagnosed and living with this, these chronic diseases, that they know what's available to them. And so we do have a variety of things, and it really does depend on who you are. Are you a parent or are you a teen? Are you a younger child? Um, because we do have a variety of things available. One of the big things we have is Camp Oasis. Camp Oasis is a co-ed summer residential program for children that have Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. And it's a great enriching experience where children get to meet other children that have inflammatory bowel diseases. And it's an opportunity to feel supported and be able to talk openly about things and just be be a kid, but be in an environment where everyone is experiencing similar things and they're on this journey together. 
and the staff and everyone around has an expertise and level of support that they can give to children. Um, so it's a wonderful experience. I actually visited the Camp Oasis in New York over the summer, and it was truly amazing. I was able to interview some of the campers and also some of the staff, and they were all so appreciative, and they talked about camp as their family. For most of them, it was their favorite week out of the year, because actually, even though it's a camp for kids with IBD, it's not about the IBD, really. They're being kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. It's a it's time for them to share openly, first of all, be open about who they are and appreciate who they are. But sometimes either it comes up uh, at camp, people want to talk about their experiences, and sometimes they just want to be kids. And that's the beauty of it, that no matter where they are, it's a, a supportive environment. I know there's different camps around the country. Is there a centralized place that people can go and find out more about the camps and how to apply? And then also, I know that there's sometimes volunteer positions uh, for for adults. And then is there also volunteer positions for teenagers who are uh, learning to be camp counselors? Absolutely. So the one place where children or parents can go to find information on enrolling their child in Camp Oasis is on our website. We have um, an, a page dedicated to some basic information. We have 12 camps across the country. And over the year, we over the summer program, we enroll approximately 1,100 children um, are, are part of all the camps. Um, and there are opportunities for uh, for younger teens to be involved. There are programs um, called the LIT program, and then there are camp counselors. There's some requirements for those um, positions, but there are opportunities for children, for teens to get involved. And all of that information is on our website. And absolutely, I think the, our volunteers, particularly our medical volunteers, are so crucial to the experience at camp because they provide that support that, first of all, is necessary to ensure that kids are safe, that they're um, taken care of, and, and all the medications, that nothing is, is for a parent to worry about, that they drop their kid off at camp and they're having a great time, and also still managing their disease as, as they should be. So um, volunteers are very much appreciated, and our chapters work with um, uh, physicians, GI professionals, licensed psychologists, um, social workers, nurses, and all kinds of medical volunteers that are um, wonderful assets to our camp program. That was really impressive seeing the medical staff that was there at Camp Oasis. They were so caring. They were clearly ready for anything. They showed us around a little bit. And also they told us that kids aren't really coming there. I mean, you know, the kids obviously have to do the things that they need to do to manage their disease every day and take their medications and so on and so forth. But it's not like kids are um, hanging out in the in the medical area all day either. You know, they're out having a great time. So, um, yeah, that was I was really, really impressed with those volunteers. Great. Yes, they were wonderful. And another thing that I wanted to talk to you about, I really think and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I do wonder if it's perhaps the most important resource that can be available to parents. But I feel like a lot of people don't know about the IBD Help Center that the Mm -hmm. foundation offers that anyone can call. 
Absolutely. Our IBD Help Center is staffed by three information specialists. They're master's level, um, and they provide information, guidance, support by phone, by email, through an answer chat that we have on our website. And over the course of a year, they receive up to 12,000 inquiries. And so the, these questions can come from patients. They can come from parents. They come from even healthcare providers who are seeking some information and resources. For parents, I think this is a really great option. Um, we do receive calls, parents calling just newly diagnosed, what do I need to know about these diseases? Or just even along their journey, if questions come up, medications that are being introduced into the child's um, treatment plan and they're just trying to understand what the risks are and what kind of guidances there are around um, the care of IBD for children, the help center is there to help and provide information and support. So they not only are able to provide research-based information and references for everything, they're also able to send information that we have available for free. We have multiple brochures, fact sheets, and other publications that would be that are very helpful for parents and even other audiences that are in the circle of people that um, care for children. So we have a parent brochure, and that covers the basics of inflammatory bowel disease in the perspective of care for children. We also have a teacher brochure. And so that allows parents to equip themselves when it's time to start school, when you have to set up plans to ensure that your child has the right accommodations, that they inform the school personnel. And so there's, these are great resources to have. In addition to that, we also have information for teens themselves. Um, and I'm talking about publications. We have a teen guide, and it's great because it covers, it's written in the voice and the tone that's great for teens, um, understandable, digestible information. Um, and it's great, it's available online as well. We also have booklets for younger children. Um, so we have a comic book and an activity book for younger children to really understand their disease through more interactive kind of pieces. There's coloring, there's, there's a story behind the, com- the comic book that's really interesting about a young man who's growing up and learning how to deal with this new diagnosis. And so um, there, there's a plethora of information out there and, and we want patients to know that we're here to help you. So parents can contact the help center either through email or by phone and then can be sent some of these resources? Is, do I have that right? Yes, yes. They can contact us in any uh, way that they feel uh, most convenient for them by phone or email or answer chat on our website. There, we have a chat feature. And yes, uh, we provide the information o- online. We are also able to mail information to patients. So we have it all covered. Oh, perfect. So I'm thinking back to being a teen with IBD and having a resource, having someone that I could call. How is that managed when people under the age of 18 are accessing the IBD Help Center? So we do receive calls from all kinds of patients and and caregivers. For the majority, we do find that mostly our parents are the ones that are the most proactive and are calling on behalf of their children. Um, teens are able to call us and we ensure we provide information as they ask for it. You know, oftentimes we may not know who's on the other side. And so we just ensure that we provide the education information that's most fit for them if there's if there's a call that comes in. 
um, we ensure that we encourage parents to be a part of that discussion as well. Um, so, but for the most part, we, you know, it's funny, we do see some, but most, mostly it's parents who are so engaged in the care of their children. Right. Sure. I could just envision um, teenagers, perhaps, who are looking to maybe emancipate a little bit and maybe learn a little bit more about their disease. Or maybe they have questions they're not comfortable. I know that this happens at Camp Oasis, questions that maybe they're not comfortable asking of their parents or asking even of their caregivers that they might call the the help center to get a little information there. Absolutely. And they're free to do that. Perfect. I love this. So also, I know that you have a website that's available for teens. What kind of information is on there? Uh, So you're speaking of our Just Like Me IBD website. Um, We have information on there that's very basic information around inflammatory bowel disease. But there's a special place that um, I think is very important for anyone visiting that website, whether you're a teen or parent, to really take a close look at. And it's a section on preparing for adult care. Transition is what how we term that when you are preparing to get getting the skills that you need to transition over to adult care. And working with your pediatric gastroenterologist to transition to an adult gastroenterologist, that's transfer of care, right? The transition of care uh, and also Uh, the readiness of the child is super important when they become adults and when they want to become independent. Um, Because at the end of the day, this is their disease and they're going to have to learn to manage it. And while parents want to be as supportive as they can and they will be, it's important for the child and for who now is going to be an adult to be able to manage the disease and make the right choices for themselves. So this section on our website really goes into why it's important. Um, And there are some resources there that can help. We have an infographic that walks, it's almost like a road and it's really neat and and walks one patient from the initial stages of being diagnosed and not knowing what to do and then transitioning over to asking more questions, being more familiar with their medications, being more vocal at their doctor's visits, understanding health insurance, getting information and resources online for themselves and the journey to preparing for the next step in life, whether it's college, whether it's just finding another job or just, you know, being on your own and transitioning that care. It's a really great resource. And we also have a self-assessment tool where it's called, um, it's like a quiz my, quiz my IBD and it's on our website and it provides um, kids the opportunity to ask themselves some or answer some questions that are: Do you know your medications? Do you understand your how what the purpose of your laboratory tests are, etc. All the way through, how does um, thinking about being an adult make you feel? And you know, does it? Are you, do you, are you feeling nervous about it? Comfortable? Indifferent? What What are the feelings around that? And at the end, it provides a summary of your response, but then gives some encouragement to be able to then print that out, take it to your doctor, and have a conversation with your doctor, with your parent, about how you can um, be more proactive in making sure you're ready for that next step in life. So that's all on our teen website. And then we also have a college facing website. It's called Campus Connection. Um, and that can be found on our main website. Um, you in, in that website, you're able to get information on how to navigate college, almost like um, everything from talking to your roommate 
to um, finding the right food for you at the dining hall and kind of accommodations that you need and talking to professors. So it's a great website. And a lot of the content is, of course, all of the content is approved by our medical experts, but led by patients, actually. We have a group of patients called our National Council of College Leaders who are representing uh, 20 young adults from across the country in different college campuses. And their role is really to be that voice. They're great, wonderful leaders. They're going through that transition phase. And they've written some great content and tips on how other college students might be able to navigate college and questions that they need to ask themselves, things that they may need to prepare. So um, it's available. Both of these sites are available on our website. I love this. It's such a crucial point in life. And because so many people are diagnosed as teens or young adults, moving into that adult space, you've already got so much to handle. And now you have to figure out how to handle this chronic illness. So I'm so glad that the foundation has so many resources available to help kids and parents through this, this stage. I know that there's also in-person groups. There has been, you know, I, I believe that the foundation started as sort of like an, an in-person support group. And I want to make people aware that it's not always for adults, that there are also groups that are for parents. Are there also groups that are focused on families? Are there kids groups? Um, I know that they're listed on the website, but what kind of you know support groups for in-person does the foundation support? So we have approximately about 250 groups across the country at this moment, and they're all led by volunteers um, who have been trained to provide resources um, for uh, foundation resources for these patients. And they vary. Um, Some groups may be for caregivers and may be inclusive of parents. Others may be geared specifically towards parents, particularly if there's a group that's led by a parent themselves. Um, so it, it really does vary um, in terms of teen facing groups. There may be, there are some groups that ha- we've seen form across the country um, that are led by, again, these facilitators that focus on teens. Um, but it, it really does vary because a lot of the groups may be more um, open. And so uh, there can be different types of patients and, and experiences that come into the groups. I know that there are some care group, caregiver groups out there. We also have online support groups. And every month through our community website, it's Crohn'sColitisCommunity.org, we have both a patient-facing online group as well as a, uh, a caregiver group. And so, again, that's probably the best place for parents to convene and ask questions and get that support is through the caregiver groups that may also include other, you know, caregivers of adult patients as well. But it's it's the best place to address it from that perspective. Yeah, that's perfect. It's not always easy to get out to uh, an in-person support group, even though they can be so helpful. And even for parents, I think, to go to a support group in person, sometimes you can just meet other people in the community that are being touched by IBD because a lot of times patients have never met another patient, um, especially in the early diagnosis. So these are great ways to get involved in the local community. Are there any other resources that I've missed? Well, I think that there's a lot that we're working on. And um, it, we're very excited about it. Um, I mentioned a 
activity book that we have, and it's available in print. It's for younger children. And it's a hand, you know, it's a, a printed piece, has games uh, and little um, kind of different different things that help you think about your disease a little bit more in an educational way. And we're going to be turning that booklet into an interactive piece um, because we know in this age, a lot of children are taking, um, you know, educating themselves virtually, and that's great. And so we want to be able to meet the children where their learning styles are. So that's one thing that we look to um, complete in the next couple years. Um, and we also have some things launching this year, actually, uh, around shared decision making. And when we say shared decision making, the foundation's focus is on improving communication with the healthcare team between parents, between children, and everybody involved. So we have a few discussion guides that we have currently. We have a few discussion guides. Um, one that's focused on that transition that I talked about, where you are looking at you're encouraged. We're encouraging patients and parents to really sit down and talk about those uncomfortable things, like how do I address alcohol? How do I address um, my my moods and my emotions? And what about treatment adherence? And how do you encourage your child to continue taking their medications and and really explain to them the importance of it? So there's some things on that in one of those discussion guides. We have another discussion guide that talks about healthcare maintenance. And healthcare maintenance is important because it's not just IBD. There are other things that you need to ensure are, you know, healthy and safe for your child. So ensuring that eyes are checked regularly, having conversations around vaccines. Um, there's also something to keep in mind around um, the risk when not taking medication. So things that down the line that, you know, it can be scary, but thinking about cancer risk and all of that. And so that encourages the importance of taking medications um, and keeping disease under control. So there's a guide on healthcare maintenance and kind of the schedule of vaccines and which vaccines may work versus others for live, uh, you know, what interactions may occur between vaccines and our medications. So something that's very important. Um, we also have a shared decision-making guide that's going to focus around thinking about how you approach a decision for treatments. There's a lot of tools out there on helping patients decide their treatments. This is focused on helping parents come to, in their mind to think about what are the values that they want in, in a treatment. Is Are they looking for something that's going to be easy to administer? Are they more focused on the, the risks and the side effects and the benefits of that? what things to keep in mind are, are important. And so this tool will discuss that. And we also have a patient-facing um, infographic that talks about listening to your body. And so there are certain things that, um, you know, when, as patients, as pediatric patients may not be so forthcoming with all the symptoms that they're experiencing because, you know, it's hard to assess what's what's normal, what's not normal. And really encouraging kids to be more proactive and listening to their bodies when something's not right, just making sure you call attention to that, keep it in mind and be proactive about it. And so this is going to be a helpful tool for patients to um, understand that a little bit better. And all of this is hopefully to be released in, in the coming months. These tools sound amazing. IBD is so complex, and I think in a lot of cases, we don't know what we don't know. And then adjusting to that new normal, like you were saying, you have to make sure that you're bringing something to your caregiver's attention 
because it may not seem to you that it's a big deal, but that, for instance, your eyes hurt, but it could very well be a big deal. So these are perfect resources. Thank you so much for talking with me and letting me know everything that's available. I'm going to put all the information on the show notes. We're going to try to make sure parents know that all of these great resources are available. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope everyone out there um, finds all this information helpful. Absolutely. Thank you. Hi, Dr. Jean. Thanks for taking some time to talk to me about the IBD Parenthood Project. Oh, I appreciate I appreciate you highlighting this important topic and this project that we're doing because I think, um, as you well know from the patient viewpoint, you would think that the latest greatest information would be accessible and be utilized, you know, pretty quickly. But it takes such a long time for, uh, you know, good recommendations and good practices to really infiltrate day-to-day clinical practice and it's frustrating and so by folks like you amplifying our message it it has a much greater chance of reaching the bedside and not just being in a journal or a website you know i'm so gratified to hear you say that because i reaching patients is important but reaching people who treat patients is important as well. And sometimes I think the patients have to bring up these topics in order to break them open and get the discussion going. And that's exactly what that um, IBD Parenthood website with the toolkit, uh, it really offers the patients the, uh, uh, the framework so that they can have that really open conversation with their healthcare provider, be it their OBGYN or GI, just about how, you know, what are the things that I should worry about? How should I address them? What are some of the best practices and, and recommendations? And hey, look, I've got a handout that, that's, you know, been vetted by the AGA and the Crohn's Colitis Foundation. So this has got, you know, scientific rigor behind it. So it's not uh, random musings of one person. It's really well thought out. And so uh, I, I think this will really help Uh, engage both the patient and provider together so that they're doing the best practices. In terms of using the IBD Parenthood Project and the tools that are available on the website, how do you envision that a patient would, in practice, take these tools and then bring them to their provider? And then what are some of the important things that they should be discussing? So the way I envision and the way we envision uh, both at the AGA and Crohn's Colitis Foundation to utilize this toolkit is you're a, a, a woman in your reproductive years with inflammatory bowel disease. You want to start thinking about family planning from the get-go uh, because of, of you need to be healthy so you can have a healthy baby. And so this is where the patient can go to this website. There are eight terrific pieces in there that include educational material, frequently asked questions, checklists, all these kind of uh, framework devices to help you or the patient initiate that conversation with the provider to make sure you address all those important issues. So this really helps take the guideline, puts it in the patient's hand, and makes the provider and the patient work together to do the best practice. So that's how we envision uh, this toolkit being utilized. And, And that way we can really have that sort of force multiplier so the quality of care is going up across
across the spectrum. And as you all know, not every patient in every part of the country has access to an IBD uh, trained expert or, or a gastroenterologist that has a focus in inflammatory bowel disease. So they may or may not have the uh, experience or the knowledge uh, to do, you know, to, to utilize the best practices. And in this way, again, it's another way of getting that to both the patient and the provider. Is there a corresponding toolkit or information that's also available to gastroenterologists or other physicians that work with IBD patients? Uh, excellent point. And so this is multi-pronged effort. So as you and I have been talking about the patient side, the patient-facing uh, role of this, equally important is the provider side. So we uh, at the IBD Parenthood Project basically together had I, uh, gastroenterologists, OB-GYN, maternal fetal medicine, lactation specialists, patients, uh, advanced practice providers, put all these folks together to come up with this care pathway. And then to get this out to the providers, this will be published in Gastroenterology, which is the premier GI journal. It'll be published in Inflammatory Bowel Disease Journal, which is from the Crohn's Colitis Foundation. And this will be published in the um, uh, American Journal of uh, Obstetrics and Gynecology. So we're, we're getting it out to all these different uh, subgroups of providers, so they'll have it at access. And then it'll also uh, be on the website uh, on ibdparenthoodproject.org. Uh, so healthcare providers, both patients and healthcare providers have different toolkits they can review and access then. That's incredible. I'm so excited to hear that. And in your opinion, what do you think is the most important thing that women who are considering a pregnancy with IBD should bring up to their providers? I think women who are considering pregnancy and they're in that mode of family planning, the most important thing from uh, our perspective in this project has been, one is that there is misinformation both with patients and providers on the safety uh, or appropriateness, I should say, of using certain medicines while you're in the preconception phase and in the pregnancy phase. And the most important mantra that I kind of go over with my patients is healthy mom, healthy baby. So by using this toolkit, uh, the, the woman who is considering getting pregnant with inflammatory bowel disease can really make sure that both she and their providers are have an optimal goal to keep her in remission for at least three to six months before she gets pregnant, because that'll give her the best chance of having a, a normal, uncomplicated pregnancy with a healthy baby. And so that, I think, is the real most important uh, aspect uh, that, that a woman should to work on before getting pregnant. Why did you, in particular, get involved with this project? That's a great question. Again, I, I'm in private practice, but in my own practice, uh, we have a bit of a academic bent. We've had residents and sometimes fellows rotate with us and, and students. But I've been involved with the American Gastrological Association, uh, working on on committees and then a chair of the practice management committee. And ultimately I was on the uh, AGA governing board as private practice counselor for three years. And so with my association with the organization and my interest in taking care of patients, as they tried to assemble 
a multidisciplinary group to work on this IBD Parenthood project. They wanted somebody from the private practice uh, uh, venue who sees things differently, perhaps from an academic tertiary referral care center. And as you, you may know that you know, in, in a lot of private practice models, healthcare is fragmented. Uh, we're not in an integrated delivery healthcare network where I can open a chart and see uh, the patient's visits with their OB-GYN or primary care physician because we're all in different practices. So I, they wanted to bring somebody in with a different vantage point, and I really enjoy taking care of patients and participating in uh, in moving the field forward. And this was a uh, an opportunity for me to give back to patients and and our our practice. Uh, and so I, I I love doing these kind of things, and, and I've been doing it for a while. And so they asked me to volunteer, and I said, of course. Oh, thank you for that. Fragmented care, that's a big topic. I feel like that's a topic for another day. We could do a whole episode on that. <laughs> and um, so I just wanted to ask you if there was anything else about the IBD Parenthood Project that women who are going to this website and u- utilizing the toolkits and the FAQs and everything that's available there, is there anything that you want them to know to, that you can speak directly to patients? Yeah, I, I would tell every patient that a more informed and educated patient gets better care. And their providers should not be scared by that. They shouldn't be offended by that. They should encourage it. And so I think this is a great engagement tool. It's a great tool to improve care and improve that relationship between the patient and the provider. So I I think from both the patient perspective and the provider perspective, we should uh, embrace this and, and move forward with it uh, at a rapid pace because we want our patients to have both the best medical care but also feel great. And that's more than just how you feel or uh, when you're in the clinic visit or getting a colonoscopy. It's when you're at home with your family, friends, all these other things. So that's that's the real goal. I'm so grateful that this resource is available now. Speaking as a person who had two children before it was available and when we were basically feeling our way in the dark, I'm so glad that the girls and women today will not have to figure it out in the same way. For anyone that wants to follow you on social media, what are your social media handles? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's at Rodster for Twitter. Uh, so R A at then R A J S T E R. I think it's capital R. Great, and I'll put that in the show notes for everyone to find easily. And is there anything else you want to talk about today? I just really want patients to to you know utilizing what you're doing and and what we're doing from the societal level to get the word out so that they go to the website ibdparenthoodproject.org, check out the offerings there use those tools to get better care. I, that's that's the take-home message I would just drive home over and over and over. Thank you, Dr. Jane. I really appreciate you taking some time to talk to me about the IBD Parenthood Project today. Now, my pleasure. Again, I want to tell you how much I appreciate and applaud all your advocacy efforts to raise awareness for IBD in general and, and the Parenthood Project in specific. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. What are we going to do in the next couple of months with IBD moms, do you think? 
We are partnering with um, the AGA in association with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation and the Girls with Guts started a webpage um, for parenting with IBD, which is really fantastic because when you and I started looking at trying to have children with IBD, there really wasn't um, any kind of resource for us, right? You know, to talk about medication and, you know, what doctors, how to put your team together, um, uh, breastfeeding with IBD and uh, breastfeeding while on certain kinds of medication. There was, there was no like landing page, no one-stop shop for us to go to. And so um, the AGA has pooled their resources together and they've created um, a website that will allow you to have a uh, something tangible to download and take in with you to speak to your doctor or to speak with your family and your partner about starting your family while living with IBD. And it's all fact-based. It's all based on um, science and current research um, as it evolves. And um, it's also easy to maneuver and get through. It's easier, easy to read because I know that, you know, one of the hard things about, one of the great things about the internet is you can find information on the internet, right? One of the bad things is uh, the old information doesn't go away. So when you start Googling stuff, you get everything. You don't necessarily get the most current information on, let's say, for instance, um, breastfeeding while on a biologic uh, treatment. This particular website will give you the actual current data, current information, current resources, and it's providing it in a way that you can easily understand, you can take it in for uh, your shared decision-making with your doctors. Um, and it's not overwhelming because I know that, you know, in those, during that time of planning your family and then actually getting pregnant and then postpartum, there's a lot going on and it's very overwhelming. Um, and this kind of provides a nice little way of, um, getting the actual facts. So I was really excited, uh, that, the AGA reached out to, well, first they, they reached out just to the brand. And then I said to them, well, you know, we've got IBD moms. And they were like, what? That's amazing. So we will be partnering with them. Um, and as they continue to uh, evolve their program, um, we will continue to uh, bring that information to you guys via our website and our social media platforms. So the AGA being the American Gastroenterological Association. And, I, you know, I'm so excited in particular because I feel like for so long, I say I feel like, but it was the truth that patients were not engaged in anything. Pharma companies and uh, physician associations would turn out things without asking us about it. And now we're getting included in the mix so that we can really let them know that maybe the problems that they think we have or the especially with physicians, the problems they think that we have aren't always necessarily the problems that are top of mind for us, so that we can address those in a more holistic fashion. And it's true. When I wanted to get pregnant, I only knew from the data about J-pouches from, you know, whenever it was done and there really wasn't anything current. And so I went to my doctors and 
they kind of, thankfully, my doctors all got together and had themselves a little powwow and, and figured themselves out. But I don't think that happens for everyone. So this is really perfect. I still see every day women who are falling subject to just what you described, that there's old information or poor quality information, or they've talked to someone who, yes, might be a parent living with IBD, but even in five years, things have changed uh, with uh, the results of the piano registry coming out, which followed mothers and babies with the mothers who had IBD who had babies and the mothers were taking biologics while they were pregnant and breastfeeding. And it followed these pairs until I think the children were five years old. So there's a lot of data that came out of that. And a lot of it is very reassuring and telling us that it's okay to be on biologics for most women during, during pregnancy and breastfeeding and things like that. So five years ago, we didn't have that. And now we do. So this is great that all these uh, stakeholders are coming together and we're going to get something really impactful, meaningful for the IBD community out of this. And then you said also Girls with Guts is involved. Yes. So the the program is basically bringing a lot of nonprofits that are IBD centered um, together, specifically ones that um, help and benefit uh, women living with IBD. And Girls with Guts is one of their nonprofits that they're partnering partner, partnering with, um, as well as the Baby Center, uh, Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, and um, if I remember correctly, GI Health. Perfect. I love that all these different groups are coming together and everyone is uh, adding their own little piece to it because I think that makes it better. Yes. Um, you know, it's it's so interesting because they were more concerned about, um, you know, people finding it and not trusting the information, but, you know, people are looking for these, for this actual information. They're looking for these, these studies, um, and they can't find them. And so it's just nice that there's just a, a place to go a quick, you know, when we're in these groups or when we're talking to parents, um, we know the information because we've been at these conferences, you know, and I say we, you and I have been at these conferences and we, we get the information, but coming from us sometimes without something tangible to hold on to um, doesn't really hold water. Yeah. Without backup. I feel like in a year things have really turned around as far as helping women with IBD who want to start their family or complete their family and how we can help them and connect them with products and brands that are going to make their life easier and then connect them with each other so that we can learn from one another. Yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting. Someone had said something to me about, um, you know, they were hoping that they would get more medical information from us, but, you know, we're, we're not doctors. Um, we are advocates that have some knowledge that have access. Um, but we also have older kids. And so we're, we've kind of lived through it and, it's nice to be able to, I think, give lifestyle tips because, yeah, it's great to have all the information about medication and um, all of that. But the day to day, 
I need some information on the day to day. I need information on how to continue to get through the day while flaring, while having active children, you know, having little tips on that, having little tips on um, certain brands that are comfortable to wear and to use and all of that. And and I also want to make sure that, you know, everyone feels included, that we're hitting um, all moms with different cultures and lifestyles on top of living with IBD. Um, you know, moms of multiple single moms, moms who have one kid, moms who, you know, are, have, um, have gone through the adoption process, all of that. Um, and I hope that as we continue, more moms will reach out and say, Hey, you know, I haven't seen a blog post on such and such, or I, I see you guys haven't tackled yada, yada, yada. Do you think you can, you know, possibly talk about that? Um, we're hoping throughout this year to start more um, videos and, and engage little small videos and uh, engagement on Instagram um, and Twitter, but mostly on Instagram. I see that Insta stories are pretty big and I see that, you know, it's easy to kind of sit there, whatever you're doing, if you're sitting in the carpool, waiting for your kids to come out, you can kind of flip through Insta story and get some fun information or, you know, see some, uh, interact with some people that are going live. So I hope that as we continue, um, we'll get more moms engaging and then we can give out more content. One of the things that you and I bring to the table is that our, our families are very different we can't, we're living in different parts of the country from one another, which is sad, but that's the truth. And therefore, we have overlap, but we also have very specific areas where you're the topic expert, and there's areas where I'm the topic expert. And then we have a lot of women that we know in the IBD community that we can tap pretty quickly who can help us out with somebody who's having an issue. I think more than once we've sent people to, for instance, Stephanie from the stolen colon in regards to experiencing blockages while pregnant because that happened to her. I think those are the things that we're bringing to the table that make us unique. I'm super excited that more people, um, more groups like the HEA and other nonprofit groups are getting into this space because clearly there is a real need here for women who are starting their families to feel supported, not only with their IBD, but then, and then not only just getting pregnant, but then you come home and what happens next? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing I, I like about this, um, this project is, that it allows you, like, if you are at the stage where you're, you're planning your family, or if you're kind of like where I am, I had a child nine years ago. Um, I'm currently single, but I'm not done having children. I would love to have children, you know, sometime in the future. Um, so my treatment plan has to reflect that. Um, I need to be active. I need to be able to do certain things. I need to be on certain kind of medication. And so this particular program or this project allows for you to be a part of that decision making, but for the long term, you know, it's, it, it allows you to, to get ahead of, um, your treatment process and, and, um, really think about what the future holds. Um, 
recently I had a doctor say there was a certain kind of medication I didn't want to go on for many reasons. And, um, you know, I had said, well, can we start thinking about what medications are friendly to my fertility issues? And he, bless his heart, man, he, you know, he's just trying to make me better, but he kind of looked at me and he was like, well, why can't we cross that bridge until we get there? And I'm like, because I'm 35 and we need to start thinking about that now. I don't want to get to that, the end of that bridge. And then all of a sudden you look up and you say, oh, well, actually maybe we shouldn't have done this. You know, I want to be able to have my options open. Um, But you need to be an empowered patient in order to kind of be a part of these discussions and a part of that decision. And, and the only way to be empowered is to have the education and the information. And, um, I think this particular project and, uh, IBD moms and, you know, other programs that are working to help families specifically living with IBD, um, are helping patients and caregivers, uh, go into these, these meetings with their doctors empowered. And that, is going to change the game. That's going to change the quality of life of all patients living with IBD. Um, I don't think, you know, I'm such a, I I get really frustrated when I hear people constantly talk about cures. Like the number one thing we want is a cure. I think that's a given. I think with any disease, nobody wants the disease, right? But I feel like no one really talks about quality of life. I feel like research dollars, money that's allocated for certain diseases, so much of it goes towards a, a cure, which is fantastic. But not a lot goes towards research and development and studies for quality of life. You have people living now. I'm living now. I'm probably not going to see a cure for IBD in my lifetime. I would like to be the best mom, the best uh parent and and friend and family member and product of society. I would love to be the best citizen that I can be. And the only way to be that is to have my IBD managed. I agree. And that's one of the reasons also that I'm excited to be on the board of the National Ulcerative Colitis Alliance, because that is a group that is focused on what we're doing for patients right now and how patients can be supported right now because we do have to get through our lives in the midst of this. We can't sit around waiting for a cure. And yeah, that that word cure, it's so loaded. And I feel that it's important to remember that a cure may actually functionally look like a medication. So, and I'm also very interested in prevention and that's what circles back to IBD moms, and then other groups that are supporting uh, uh, people that are starting a family while living with IBD, because I want to know, how do we keep this disease, which we know has a genetic component and an environmental trigger, how do we stop this from happening in our kids? And then other, you know, of course, anyone in the community who may be at risk for developing it. But what can we do? How do we do this? How do we stop the next generation from having an even increased incidence of IBD, which is where it looks like things are heading? So I'm totally on board with you. I look forward to sending people to this new resource. It sounds like it's going to be 
amazing. And then it's going to have a lot of really great backup from uh, uh, physicians working in the field who are IBD experts. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I can give you the website and then I know you, of course, I know you, you're going to put it in the notes. <laughs> but the website is ibdparenthoodproject.org. And, um, and then, of course, you can find us as we twiddle along on our IBD Moms website, ibdmoms.org. Um, and soon we will have signups for our newsletter, which is set to launch in February. This has been great. Thanks for checking in with me. This is so important for us to get the word out about these new resources so that everybody can find them. Yeah, and tell a friend, you know, don't keep this information to yourself. Spread the spread the love. Yeah, I you know, I think that's really important. I think I know I need to be better about like actually saying that to people. Hey you guys, this thing like don't forget to like retweet it or share it on your Facebook or if you go to uh, support meetings, I don't, you know, we're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter all day, but not everybody is. So make sure that you're sharing it with other people so that everyone can benefit. It's just it's just something that's going to help everybody. And it can only get better the more people are involved and know about it and then give their feedback on it. Yeah, don't don't be afraid of sharing. I know that uh, a lot of the young folks are like, oh, you can only share so much a day. Well, you know, people need information. Um, if you're doing more than just taking selfies, there's no reason why you can't share more than once a day. Is that a thing? Am I out of the loop on that? Yeah, my brother came after me and he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, you're sharing like a lot of pictures on Instagram a day. And I was like, that's because I'm if you look at them, they're not pictures of people for the most part. It's information. So, yeah. Well, uh, okay. That's a new one on me. I know that there's a couple of people who sometimes I open their Instagram stories and it is a lot like that little, those little, like, I don't know what the word is for those little things. They look like, they look like dots. There's so many um, pictures in there. But, but if I know you and I love you and I'm looking at you, Will. I will go through the whole thing. I will watch the whole thing. So, yeah, I don't know. It's I don't think there's a I mean maybe there is a limit. I'm not interested in somebody who went on vacation and posts like 10 different Instagram posts from their vacation. I feel like posts like like two with three or four pictures of them. Like I get that, but I don't know. You have to share things that are important. And I don't think that you don't share things that are not important. <laughs> I'm also not, you know, worried about how people see my social media platforms. Like, I'm not worried if people think that I overpost. I'm worried about whether or not the people who follow me get the information that they need to get. Yeah, yeah. That is, you know, that's who I am. I'm a, I'm, I'm a mom who, you know, has a lot of resources and tools, and I'm going to share that with people and. Um, yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, I don't really care. <laughs> well, you know, I like, I get it. That's their thing. You know, the young folks and they feel like we're taking over, you know, their social media, which is hilarious because I remember I am of the generation of the Facebook generation that started in colleges. Like I remember getting, you know, IMs from my friends like, hey, guess what? 
Facebook is on the West Coast. Stanford just got it. I think that Cal's next and I think that we're next. Like that, you know? So don't talk to me about social media because... You invented social media. (laughs) You invented social media, okay? You don't even know what a MySpace page is. Hey, super listener. I want to give a special thank you to Catherine Soto, Dr. Rajiv Jain, and Brooke Abbott for talking with me about the offerings from the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, the IBD Parenthood Project, and IBD Moms. Check the show notes for a bunch of links so you can find all the information we talked about easily. Also, especially look for Dr. Jane's Twitter handle so you can follow him and for IBD Moms on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks for listening and get in touch to let me know how you like the show. If you're looking for information about your disease or about your child's disease and you can't find it, don't hesitate to contact me. You can find me all over the interwebs as About IBD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as aboutibd.com. You can also go to verywell.com for disease information on IBD that I've written, which has been medically reviewed by a practicing gastroenterologist. About IBD started with my phone and a microphone in my living room and less than two years later has grown to the point where my son makes fun of me for having too many microphones and I now have a rolling cart in my office to contain all of my recording equipment. And that's because you, my friend, listen, subscribe, and share. So thank you for that. And keep it up. And remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD. IBD.